You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. Tom Crean was fired two weeks ago, and the week that followed was filled with rampant and ridiculous speculation, countered by very little in the way of actual facts as to the nature of Indiana's search for its next coach. But then Saturday happened. Saturday, March 25th, 2017, a day that will hopefully be remembered for a long, long time as the beginning of of the third great era of Indiana basketball. That was the day Archie Miller was announced as Indiana's head coach with his impressive press conference to follow 48 hours later. A few days after that, Colin Hartman surprised Hoosier Nation quite pleasantly by announcing that he will be returning for his final season of eligibility. A handful of other key players have also affirmed their commitments to Indiana. So, so far so good. A new era of Indiana basketball is upon us, and it couldn't have started out much better. And we're excited to react to this wild week of IU basketball news with you right here on Assembly Call Radio. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here on Assembly Call Radio. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, SoundCloud, and more. Wherever you look for us, you will find us. All right. I will begin this week's show as I begin every post-game show and every episode of Assembly Call Radio, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment for me is actually the moment from a couple of days ago, and I believe it was Crimson Corey that broke this news, that Juwan Morgan is returning to school. There had been a few rumblings, you know, that maybe Juwan was thinking about transferring a little bit closer to home, uh, but he affirmed uh, his commitment to Indiana. And obviously, while Colin Hartman's announcement is key, and really any of the announcements from these guys that they're coming back, keeping the gang together is key, to me, Juwan, with two years remaining, is really an essential bridge from Archie's transition years this year and next year into kind of the settling in years of the Archie Miller era, which really begin in years three and four and beyond. Because if Juwan can stay healthy, and that's always a key issue with him, he really should thrive in Archie Miller's system, similar to how guys like Dyshawn Pierre and Kendall Pollard did when Archie Miller was coaching at Dayton. They were both undersized players you know, who found success on both ends, even though they had to play power forward and even center, And Jawan, health willing, can do the same. And if Thomas Bryant does indeed decide to leave and, you know, you're left with only Deron Davis down low, you're probably going to have to see some Jawan Morgan, you know, playing down low, banging down low. He's obviously got the versatile skills and I would really like to see. I'm really excited to see what he can do under Archie Miller. So that, to me, a huge announcement for the present and future of Indiana basketball. Alrighty, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. We have the host of Bracketology.fm and one of the world's undisputed kings of Bracketology, according to Bracketmatrix.com. And while he's still president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, back-channel chatter does suggest that he's currently examining other options for the 2017-18 season. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what was your Bottoms line from the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I mean, I've learned over the last week that I really just don't understand how to interpret emojis or anything that's going on with the current set of players. So 
uh, as you speak of Robert Johnson, there was one that was like, I'll never fold or something like that that came out with fingers crossed on it. I don't know what that means. Hashtag you pancakes. That, Hashtag pancakes. You could, you could take that to mean he'll be back, that he's not quitting. But just come out and say what you mean. And the OG, like, pancakes earlier in the week. So this is clearly, like, the get-off-my-lawn portion of the show already, just getting it out there. Like, you kids and your emojis, I don't understand you. But, um, We're so no, old. I mean, I think it's 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 an exciting time. It, it's funny. We were talking as we you know, started to get ready for this. Like, we, It feels like it's been a long time since uh, Archie Miller got introduced as a coach. We actually haven't done a show since then. <laughs> and so to kind of think back of all the uh, all the other podcast chatter and things like that that have been going on with it uh, since then, it's kind of kind of weird to think that we really haven't had uh, a chance for uh, the three of us to get together and, and talk about it. So it's it's an exciting time. I mean, he was a guy uh, as we initially started talking about potential uh, replacements that I was excited about uh, at the beginning, and 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 have continued to get more excited about the more you kind of hear him talk about uh, you know about the program and where he sees things going. So. Uh, certainly an exciting time. Good to get some some positive news with some of the players coming back and uh, starting to get at least a little bit of an ability to to kind of take stock of where this team might might be going into next season, what they might look like, and uh, and I think that's uh, that's exciting. The downside is that's you know quite a few months away uh, as we uh, you know get ready to just start baseball season, and we're already looking ahead to what uh, what basketball might be like. But certainly an exciting time. I think like everybody else, um, you know, excited to move forward, and and now that. Has taken a little bit more shape. I think the staff moves should probably start to fall into place here uh, in the uh, in the in the next week or so, uh, and so that picture will start to get a little a little clearer as we move forward. But uh, certainly excited to have Archie Miller and uh, excited to uh, to kind of talk about where things go from here. And to my right, we have a man who leapt with joy and then burst into a series of mock discount double checks, ironically, into his mirror after Wisconsin was eliminated from the NCAA tournament on that last second shot a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who has now fulfilled one of his most important life dreams, inspiring a parody Twitter account. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your opening rant about the last week in IU basketball? First of all, I really want to find out who is running that account and ask where their life is at right now. Like, what is taking you to that depth where you're, you're mocking me, of all people? Anyway, uh, this is actually the first time I've spoken on... Uh, a radio show or anything about the hiring. Uh, I did a little video for it, uh, for work at the big lead, but hadn't really, uh, talked about it publicly. And, um, I unfortunately couldn't jump on when you guys did a quick video about it the, uh, over the weekend. Um, Archie Miller was built for this. I mean, if you look at his, when we've talked about this off air, uh, if you look at his background, everything he is and everything he's been for 38 years is essentially building to this moment and and to getting the Indiana job. I mean, he was, you know, the son of a head of a a legendary high school coach, you know, grew up with the basketball in his hands. His older brother is a very wildly successful coach. I mean, this is coaching is in his blood. and, And I know that people say that. And, 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 you know, you hear that a lot about guys from coaching families, but this is legitimately what the family business is. He went to North Carolina state was an undersized scrappy point guard who could hit, you know, shoot the lights out and hit all his free throws. And I mean, this guy was built for Indiana basketball. I mean, if you look at his style, you look at, uh, his background. Um, this is a guy who, who, who came up the way you see Indiana, you know, players in Indiana who become coaches come up. And um, so I think that this really is a perfect fit. Um, obviously, I publicly uh, was was hoping for someone like Billy Donovan, but I've always maintained that was a ten thousand to one shot. Uh, and then when you when you sort of dialed it back and looked at the realistic possibilities, I think we all agreed that Archie Miller was at the top of the list. I think we said that on air several times that he and some other guys were in that group. And and really, when you're an athletic director in a coaching search, you break things into tiers, and the top tier is always those pie in the sky. You don't expect them to take it, but you contact them, guys like uh, Brad Stevens, uh, Billy Donovan, Jay Wright. I mean, you know, you can throw in a bunch of names there um, and, and, and you take a shot at those guys. You, you contact them and then you move on to the reasonable ones and, and you've got a group. And I think rarely is there a one through five. I think that you, that you sort of contact that group and then you figure it out as you go. And I'm sure the search firm helped with that just sort of, you know, working out particulars and personalities and backgrounds and all that stuff. But um, I think Archie Miller, I mean, he's a 38-year-old who's got 
the big one, you know, one of the biggest jobs in college basketball, certainly the biggest that's open this year. Uh, that says a lot about the guy, uh, as does his winning percentage of 68.8% at a program at Dayton that, uh, it has a very rabid fan base, but it is not a program with a lot of resources. And the fact that he was able to consistently, keep them a winner is a huge deal. And so anybody who is, has trepidation about this hire, um, as somebody who's observed college basketball for a long time, Archie Miller's a rare talent and, and, and he's a guy who is gonna put in the work. And, and, uh, so I w I would be confident in this hire. And, and as you said, Jared, it might take a year of getting his players into his system and all that stuff, but this guy's going to get it done. And I think he's, he's the big, he's a big, great hire for Indiana. And, and he may not have the flash of some other guys, but he's, he's who, who Indiana fans should have wanted. He's no-nonsense in all substance. Uh, and we're going to talk some more about Archie Miller and his first week as Indiana head coach on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. We'll also talk about the return of Colin Hartman and how next year's roster is shaping up as we start to get a little more clarity there. Uh, and then I also want to talk with you guys about the impact of Archie Miller on two guys in particular, Josh Newkirk and Juwan Morgan. Had a great question about that on the mailbag that I did uh, Thursday morning, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it as well. So all of that and more coming up on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you all about our presenting sponsor for Assembly Call Radio, and that is Hoosier Proud. And if you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out Hoosier Proud, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. And right now, that line of unique and stylish t-shirts includes a really cool uh, t-shirt that says Marchy Madness on it. We sent an email out to our list uh, a couple of days ago and posted about it on our blog. But if you want uh, a t-shirt to kind of commemorate the beginning of the Archie Miller era, highly recommend uh, going to Hoosier Proud to get that. Uh, and I'll actually give you a special discount code for that. So usually we give you the discount code AC uh, here on Assembly Call Radio, and you can get 15% off. Uh, but if you actually go, I think it'll, it should work for the next week. If you use the promo code ASSEMBLYDEAL, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y-D-E-A-L, you'll actually get 20% off. Uh, so go use that. You'll get 20% off on that Marchy Madness shirt. Again, just a great way to commemorate uh, what hopefully is the first week in, like I said, the next great era of Indiana basketball. So again, check them out at HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLYDEAL and get 20% off, not just the Marchy Madness shirt, but anything else that you want to get there at HoosierProud.com. Alrighty, well this is Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips discussing a wild week in Indiana basketball news. And guys, I mean, let me just, you know, get your quick thoughts on this. I mean, you know, we've had Archie Miller talk about playing tough, hard-nosed defense. We've had him talking about, you know, scheduling tougher in the non-conference. Uh, you know, we've had him talking about this inside-out recruiting the state. I mean, he's just been serving up red meat after red meat for the Indiana fan base. Pretty much all the things that we haven't been doing in the last few years that have frustrated Indiana fans in addition to, you know, not winning as much. He's basically putting a plan together to do all of those things. Andy... Do you, I mean, is he going to actually be able to do all of this stuff? Because he's painting this very idyllic picture of what Indiana basketball will be. And I sure hope it happens. Can it all actually happen? Well, I mean, I think that's what you have to do. You got to, got to give the people what they want, right? No, I mean, I think, I think some of that's going to take some time, obviously. I, you know, when you start talking about the defensive side of the ball, I think that's something that we should start to see pretty soon. Um, I think he made it very clear to anybody coming back what he, um, you know what he expects. I think you know the the track record that he's had over his last few years at Dayton certainly suggests that you know defense is incredibly important to him. And so I think that part um, you should start to see strides in that area pretty quickly. I think the recruiting one is a little bit a uh, little bit tougher nut to crack um, based on where they are right now. Um, I think the plan is great, but you know recruiting is a uh, you know a, a multi year game uh, as you start thinking about you know building those relationships with kids, which obviously, you know, he's uh, potentially behind. I obviously he's, you know, watched a lot of these kids um, that will be coming up in the coming years. But I think um, that that's something to me that will take a little bit of time. I think certainly with the resources and the, and everything that he has at his disposal, that will help. 
Um, but that that's something that of the things that you mentioned, I think takes a little bit of time scheduling. I think we'll start to see an uptick. Some of these agreements, uh, you know, are, are more than a year or two. Um, you know, I think we're contractually obligated to play Mississippi Valley state every year between now and the year 2025. So, um, you know, just an homage to Jerry Rice, really, I, I think. Um, so and Jeremiah well, April and Jeremiah <laughs> April. Oh yeah. What is he, does he go there now? No, the turnaround jumper. It happened against Mississippi oh. Valley State. Don't forget the greatest oh. moment of the Tom Crean era. I couldn't. I couldn't possibly. Uh, I did not remember the opponent. Um, anyway, so now that you've thrown me off, I'm sorry completely. to derail no, the so show. Think, so yeah, that's okay. So, I, so anyway, I think some of those will will be easier to see sooner than others. I guess is is how I would leave that. Uh, Ryan, I mean, of all those things, you know, that he's talked about that have just really caught the attention of IU fans, which one do you think is going to be the the most difficult or the one that IU fans need to be the most patient with? Well, I, I think I agree with Andy that I think recruiting is going to take a little bit of time because a lot of these kids, you start recruiting them when they're freshmen, sophomores. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think that I've, I've heard from several coaches in the state uh, just over the last few days via text and and. They love the guy. I mean, AAU coaches, uh, high school coaches in Indiana love this guy, and and they all and they have for a long time. Now, the top-rated kids weren't going to go to Dayton, uh, but you put him at Indiana, and you know you put him in a position where he can connect with those kids and be no nonsense and and not be a car salesman and not be you know trying to sell them on on ideas that that don't exist and and you know try and pump them up, but actually be real with them. And coaches appreciate that. So I think that's going to be quicker than uh, we think. I do think I agree with Andy. I think the defense is going to come next year because I think he's a guy who, if you don't play defense, you're sitting on the bench. Um, I, I don't think there is any coddling with that. So uh, I, I think the both of those things could come quicker than people think. But again, anytime a coach in his first year, you got to be patient with him. You got to let him put his system. In. And then sometimes it takes time to get his players or the kind of players that fit that system in. Okay, well, you know, you mentioned next year and you mentioned the potential defensive improvement next year. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about that coming up on the assembly call, what the roster is starting to shape up to be as we look toward next season. That's next. Stick with us here on assembly call radio. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking about a wild week in Indiana basketball. Archie Miller hired. Colin Hartman's back. All kinds of crazy stuff is going on. Uh, so Ryan brought up a good point as we were talking in between segments. Uh, we're going to talk about the roster stuff, talking about, talk about how the roster is shaping up for next year here in just a second. But there is an interesting angle, I think, to get to about Archie Miller before we move forward. I mean, look, everybody's been effusive in their praise all week long. We know all the reasons why this is expected to work, why it should work. You know, the, this wonderkin coach, 38 years old, he's been preparing for this for his entire life. Okay, but nothing is a given. So what is maybe a reason or two why this won't work? Like, what is maybe a weakness that we're not acknowledging here in the euphoria of the honeymoon phase? Uh, I think one that you could look at is, you know, it is a step up in competition. I think that's the one that we all talked about, you know, in between breaks. And Andy, I'd love for you to, you know, to just address that. I mean, he's coming from the Atlantic 10. Obviously, now he's going to be coaching night in, night out in the Big Ten Conference, a step up in coaches, a step up in talent level. How, you know, how big of a jump is that and how concerned are you about his ability to adjust? I mean, I do think it's a it's a reasonably big jump. I mean, if you look, you know, just kind of looking through, you know, kind of Ken Palm ratings and things like that over the last you know, handful of years. So in 2014, there's actually six teams from the A-10 that made the tournament, which is it, which, as you'll see in the last few years, has uh, has changed a decent amount. It was the eighth rated league. If you go 2015, just three made it. Uh, it was the seventh rated league in 2016. Three made it. It was the eighth rated league. And then this past season, it was the eighth rated league and three three teams made it. So, you know, it, it has been in recent years has been pretty top heavy where, you know, probably this year was the most extreme version of that where you had three teams in the top 50 from a Pomeroy standpoint. And otherwise, you know, the next best was somebody at 85. So you have, you know, Rhode Island tends to be in the mix, you know, kind of comes and goes VCU uh, since they moved there a few years ago has always been there. Davidson has ebbed and flowed. Richmond is a decent team. Um, there's definitely some, you know, bottom dwellers, you know, you've got your, your Fordham's and Duquesne's and uh, folks like that who, who tend to be toward the bottom of the league. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think it is a step up. I don't know that it's a 
huge concern necessarily. I think we've seen him be able to adapt with different rosters and uh, different challenges that you know I, I tried to outline earlier this week in a, in a post. And so I'm not overly worried about it, but yeah, it certainly would not argue with anybody who says it's a it's a it's a fairly large step up in uh, night in night out competition. I think you know the top end teams there are probably the equivalent of a maybe not top tier, but maybe second tier big 10 team. And and so you've seen some competition in that, in that way. Uh, and the pressure certainly is a little bit different. Although I do think people underrate a little bit of, um, you know, how into basketball, how big the Dayton program is within that area. Um, they do have a, you know, a really nice, really nice arena, uh, as evidenced by the NCAA holding events there with, with some regularity and, uh, really a passionate fan base. So obviously not on the scale of IU, but I do think that's something that, um, maybe just cause I live a little bit closer to it and have a, a different appreciation for, I think that's something that, um, people have sometimes missed if they've talked about, you know, what that program is or is not, but you know, certainly not going to argue it's not a step up by any means. You know, and something else you can look at too is, okay, so you're playing a lot of games against lesser competition. Do you play down to your competition? And when you just look through, you know, their season schedule, you know, and some of the, the worst teams in conference they played, you know, Massachusetts, they still beat them by 12. Duquesne, they win by 19. St. Louis, they win by 21. You know, Duquesne, they beat by 47 or 37. Uh, so, I mean, they were still, for the most part, outside of their 2016 loss to LaSalle, which is pretty inexplicable. That would kind of be like, you know, Indiana losing, uh, I don't know, at home to Nebraska or something ridiculous like that that probably wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Super, would that ever happen? super <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. For sure. Um, well, I think, but, but, I think you have seen, though, like in the non-conference that they've, you know, played in some of these other um, exempt tournaments where, you know, if you go back a few years, they played Gonzaga, Baylor and Cal on, on consecutive days. Um, I think it was two years ago uh, they played Notre Dame. No, they didn't play Notre Dame. They played Iowa, Monmouth um, in the year that they were really good, and, and Xavier. So yep. I think they've done a good job of trying to augment that, played some road games um, you know, at major conference teams, which, which there you kind of have to do. Um, but I'd like to see some of that, you know, come through to IU, but they certainly haven't been afraid to, you know, to go on the road to like in, in Arkansas, Vanderbilt, uh, Alabama, I think they did this year. Um, so they haven't been afraid to do that. And I hope that's something they don't totally get away from because it has, um, albeit in a more limited fashion, given some glimpse into what, you know, his teams could do against better competition. Yeah. I mean, in 2016, they actually played seven top 100 teams in the non-conference and they won six of those games, including four in a row. And they beat Alabama, William and Mary, Iowa and Monmouth all right in a row. So, I mean, they've shown that ability and that's good. And that, that does give you, you know, some kind of positive feeling in addition to what they've done, you know, in the NCAA tournament, making an elite eight run, um, you know, that gives you some, some, some positive feeling there. I mean, Ryan, you know, any any negative that, that you see here, anything that you're worried about or that, you know, could maybe make this go not as well as we expect? No, I I, I mean, of course, there are always there's always trepidation and there's always things to worry about. Um, I, I do think it's it's hard when you see people say, oh, he's you know, he's never done it on a big stage before. Well, yeah, he's never had the opportunity to, um, you know, consistently and, and guys haven't done that until they got the opportunity to do that. So it's really hard to, to hold him up to that standard. Um, because especially, especially because you're looking at some of the other options and, you know, some of the other options, the guys who were in major conferences, who I refuse to name, um, will, you weren't necessarily tearing the world up in those other conferences as well. So, um, you can go with a guy who's been mediocre at that level and hope that, you know, putting him in Indiana makes him better. Or you can go with a guy who has essentially done everything he can at a smaller program and is showing, shown the ability to move up so um you know I, I think it's it's the right move i just think it's it's you know worth uh, examining that that fact because there was some trepidation from people who were saying well yeah he's one in the atlantic 10 what is that that has nothing to do with the big 10 you know but quite frankly um it's you know but until he gets the chance to prove it you know, you, you weren't he wasn't going to be able to do it. So uh, this is his chance to step up and, and prove himself on a, on a bigger level. And again, as I said in the opening, this guy's been waiting for this chance for 38 years to prove himself. I mean, he, he's, he's his whole life has led to the chance to prove himself uh, as a coach on the highest level. And, and he's not going to get here and just be comfortable. He knows what it takes to win and he knows what it takes to be successful in a place like Indiana. This isn't going to scare him and it's not going to surprise him at all. 
it's not like he could have done anything more at Dayton to show that he was ready for this. You know what exactly. I mean? So you really have to nitpick to, to try and find anything like that. All right, well, you're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, breaking down this wild week in IU basketball news. And, guys, let's turn our attention to the team that Archie Miller will have on the floor next year. You know, obviously there's a lot of guys whose statuses are up in the air. OG Thomas, you know, what are they going to do? James has said that he's going to test the NBA draft waters but not hire an agent. Colin Hartman made the surprise announcement today that he's coming back. Uh, We've heard affirmatively either from or reports on Josh Newkirk, Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan, uh, Freddie McSwain. As far as everybody else, I'm assuming, you know, guys like Curtis Jones and Devontae Green, I'm assuming they're back if they don't say anything else. I think that's the safe assumption. And then obviously we wait to hear from the incoming freshman. Justin Smith hasn't said anything, so I'm assuming he's still coming. Al Durham and Clifton Moore still up in the air. Uh, that's a lot of guys that I just named, maybe 15 or 16. Well, then, you know, if you add in Priller and McRoberts, you know, it's 15 or 16 guys for 13 scholarships. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out if everybody decides they want to come back all of a sudden. Uh, I still am operating under the assumption that OG will go, that Thomas will go, but we'll have to see. We don't know. Um, Andy, as you look at this, you know, and, and how the roster is shaping up for next year, has there been any announcement that to you has been maybe more important than the others? And how is the, the lineup and the roster kind of starting to shape up from your eyes in terms of Indiana's ability to actually compete and win some games next year? Well, I think when you go back to what we talked about earlier and, and start thinking about, you know, defensively, how Archie Miller is going to want to play, like who really fits that mold really well. I think Juwan Morgan is a guy, uh, as you mentioned, who who fits into that. I think um, to, you know, if Robert Johnson does come back or, you know, depending on interpretation of uh, of emojis, whether he's back or not. I mean, I think he could be a guy who can really flourish in that system. I think Devontae Green could be fantastic as you start thinking about a, you know, smaller guard like a Scoochie Smith uh, had a really good career at Dayton. I think we've already seen Devontae really want to, um, you know, has talked about wanting to be known as, a, as an elite defender. Um, so I think you're just looking for guys who are going to embrace that. Um, and so I think. You know, the ones that we've heard of that are going to come back, I think, can do very well. Hartman, as we think back to a couple years ago, was a guy we always talked about from a defensive awareness standpoint and, and those kinds of things. So I think that's a positive. Um, you know, I, I, as we talked about at the end of the season, though, I think the one question, uh, depending upon who leaves, b- becomes who's the go-to guy when you really need to get a bucket offensively. Um, but that's something I think is going to be pretty hard to tell right now with, uh, you know, a number of the you know, kind of core offensive guys in flux at this point. But I think um, of the guys who have said they're coming back, I think obviously, uh, you know, Miller has talked about wanting to play, you know, not only inside out from a recruiting standpoint, but really get the ball inside uh, and play from the paint and out. I think Deron Davis is a guy who helps with that. Uh, and we all were very excited about what he could do. And, and if you think about a full off season of conditioning and all those kinds of things with him, um, that's really exciting. So I think the guys who have said they're coming back, you can see them fitting well into the system. You can see them flourishing uh, if they embrace the things that he's talked about. Uh, the question for me at this just at this point just becomes who who's the you know go to scorer and, and those kinds of things. But uh, I think with who we ha- we know is going to be back at this point, um, those questions are a little bit tough to answer. Ryan, how important do you think the Colin Hartman decision is? You know, when it comes to helping to create some stability for Archie Miller and just what he brings on the court. Well, I think that what you get with Colin is just a guy who can solidify everything, you know, that, that, that he can fill a number of different roles for you um, all, you know, from the he could I mean, he could even step in at shooting guard if he needed to in a pinch. But he's basically a front court player that can play any of those front court spots. Uh, defensively, he gets people organized. He will certainly help him out. And I'll tell you what, a year on the bench is essentially a, another coach will make him better because he'll have seen the game differently. And and you'll notice a lot of times guys who are out with an injury wind up and come back and play better and have a more well-rounded game. He already had a well-rounded game. I think this will only make him better because it allows you to see the game differently than when you're playing and going in there. So uh, I think it's enormous. I think obviously Deron Davis coming back, as Andy said, is is huge because it gives you that anchor in the middle, uh, especially if with a year of uh, you know strength training and everything behind him, I think that, you know, if he can get a little quicker with his feet and all that, uh, Devonte Green, Curtis Jones. I mean, this team is not going to lack talent if everybody comes, if people come back. As far as you know, who's going to leave, who's going to stay, and the numbers, that stuff will work itself out. I am not worried about that at all. Um, I do think that Justin Smith, 
not asking for who apparently has not the reports are saying he has not asked out of his letter of intent, which would mean that he's coming no matter what. Um, I think he and Clifton Moore are big time could be big time recruits with really high upside who could help as soon as next year. Uh, more obvious, obviously has to get bigger, but uh, Smith is a guy who can affect games next year. Uh, so I think that there's, there's a really good base to build from. And then of course, Miller's got to, got to start working on getting, you know, his type of players in for the next wave. Hey Andy, let me ask you a quick question. I mean, you know, Dayton, we know they operated a lot with smaller guys playing in front court positions has Archie ever really had a guy like Deron Davis who's you know big like that and, and so good down low? How will that fit in, you think, to what he likes to do offensively? Yeah, I mean, in recent years, I'm inclined to say no. I mean, Kendall Pollard is a guy they've played a little bit in the post. He's a, you know, more of a, a Juwan Morgan size guy. Uh, even Steve McElvain, who passed away, was not a guy that they ran a lot of offense for. Um, and some of the other big guys they've had in the roster have played a little bit more um, from the outside. So... Uh, I'm inclined to say no, at least not within the last couple years, as I think back to teams that they've had. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that. I think they've tried to do that a lot through the dribble. And uh, you can get by to a certain extent. We talk about competition. You can get by a little bit with a you know a 6'6 guy like Kendall Pollard who likes to play inside. Um, you can kind of get by with that there in a way that you, you probably can't in the Big Ten. So it, it wasn't as big a deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, McIlvain in, in the last three years probably is about as close to that as you'll get. Um, but he was a guy who didn't, you know, we just talking about possessions used, didn't use, you know, nearly as many as other guys on the team. But, uh, you know, I think also a guy, you know, with the the kind of post skills and, and footwork and things like that, that we we came to love with Duran last year uh, is also not a luxury that a lot of A-10 coaches usually have. No, that is very true. All right. Well, we will continue talking about how the roster looks, how guys will be impacted by Archie Miller's system, and the rest of the news from this week in IU basketball coming up on Assembly Call Radio. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier, including the new Marchy Madness shirts. Use the promo code ASSEMBLYDEAL at HoosierProud.com to get 20% off. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And you can join us after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Guys, there's a couple more individuals that I want to get to and talk about how you know they in particular will be impacted by Archie Miller and his new system. And one guy that really jumps out to me that I think could experience the biggest leap is Josh Newkirk, who is a guy who was extremely inconsistent, uh, quite volatile, you know, especially uh, when it came you know to turnovers and, and things of that nature, his shooting. But when you look at what guards have done under Archie Miller, and take you know Scoochie Smith, for example, Ryan, a guy whose name I know you love. This is a guy who, in his four years under Archie Miller, reduced his turnover rate every single year. I believe he increased his free throw rate every single year to the point where, I think by the time he was a senior, his free throw rate was 50%, meaning that for every two field goal attempts he was taking, he was attempting one free throw. That is an absurd number. And to give you a comparison, Josh Newkirk's was only 24%. So even though he drove a lot, he was not very good at getting fouled. And that's one of the biggest differences between an Archie Miller team and a Tom Crean team is free throw rate, the ability to get to the line. And so when I look at a guy like Newkirk, you know, if he can reduce his turnover rate from where it was last year, about 23% down under 20, if he can get to the line 35, 36% of the time, he could really see an uptick in efficiency. And when you combine that with his physical abilities to defend and his occasional willingness to do so too, if he's in more of a system, I really feel like he's a guy who can flourish under Archie Miller in comparison uh, to last year. Do you think there's some credence there? Yeah, I mean, I think think we have to remember that when Newkirk finally felt comfortable and healthy, he started playing really well. I mean, at least from the effort standpoint. And a guy that has that much physical ability will eventually rise to that to his level. And and so I think that it's going to be interesting to see how he's used by the new coaching staff. I think that part of his problems last year were pushing the ball too hard and maybe being a little too fast with the ball. And and in sort of this relentless uh, drive to be fast that that the former coaching staff pushed. Uh, I think that Archie Miller will push that as well, but I think there's more of 
a, a structure in place to his offense, having watched a lot of tape on on what he does over the last week or so. Um, I think that, that there's a lot more structure. There's a lot more, okay, then you go here, then you go here, then you go here. And, and it's, it's more set than sort of the free flowing, you know, thing where guys don't really have an idea what they're, what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to go. I think this is going to be a, a much better fit for what he wants to do. Um, and if he can continue to work on his three point shot clearly. Uh, but I, I, I agree that, that, this is a guy who was on the rise at the end of the season and who is a veteran who has a chance now with a new coaching staff to maybe establish himself as a leader. Uh, he's been here for two years, played for one. This will be his third year on campus. Uh, you know, it's, it's a chance for him to really grab uh, the point guard spot by the horns and, and take over and, and really buy in and be a guy that, that Miller can count on. So I, I think that if he does everything this coaching staff asks him to do, uh, there's there's a really good chance that he succeeds and, and and continues to get better and I think that you could double that for Robert Johnson as well I mean it's it's about buying in and and recognizing the role and playing it to the best of your ability I mean Andy do you see that too I mean is that something that we could apply also to a guy like Devonte Green who also struggled with turnovers you know and who also you know drove in wasn't necessarily great at getting fouled but certainly showed a willingness to go in there and bang amongst the trees. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, as I mentioned before, defensively, I think he's a, a good candidate to, to really embrace what Miller has, has proven to be all about uh, in recent years. And I think one of the things that, you know, Scoochie Smith's an interesting example. The other thing that you look at from him is his two-point percentage, how much that increased. And, and, I mean, how many times last year did we talk about guys having trouble finishing at the rim? Now, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, I watched every one of these, you know, shots that he took and know that, you know, they were they were all right at the rim. However... Uh, if you're getting fouled that much, there's a pretty good chance that you're being aggressive and, and going to the rim. So, I mean, you saw him, you know, increase from you know 42% on two pointers as a freshman to 53% as a senior. Wow. And, you know, steady improvement every year for a guy who's just six two. Um, you know, you start to project that a little bit, and, and certainly again, competition is is part of that. But it's also you know just being able to understand how better to you know uh, absorb the contact, finish at the rim. So, I think he's another guy who could really embrace that defensive role. Um, but we also saw flashes from him offensively. And, and, you know, one of the things is you, is you kind of listen uh, to a lot of these conversations, you know, uh, that, that they did on Crimson cast with different guys who had covered the team was about, you know, there always seemed to be this struggle to really make things simple enough for guys to understand what they needed to do. Uh, and, and those are potentially two guys who just got a little bit caught up uh, in the in in the complexity, as, as Ryan alluded to, of the system, and, and hopefully things get a little bit simpler for him with the new regime. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Ryan, you had some thoughts on Devontae Green too, I believe. Yeah, well, I mean, in the same way that uh, Josh Newkirk can step up and really you know, embrace the new role and embrace the new style and all that stuff. Uh, I think that Devante is the same way. I think that he uh, really needs to take command of the offense, you know, and be in there every single day working on this uh, and, uh, and really, you know, push himself because this is a chance to, I don't think Archie Miller cares what your recruiting ranking was. I don't think he cares what you did as a freshman. I don't think he cares, you know, what people expected of you. And I, he certainly isn't going to be someone who's going to care who your brother is. I mean, he's been dealing with that his whole life. He's going to care about the effort you put in and, and what you can bring to the table. And, and I think that uh, Devontae is a guy who can bring a lot to the table and who I think we all love. I mean, if, if, if everybody else leaves and the cornerstones you're building with are Devontae Green and Deron Davis, I'd be fine with that. Uh, it'd be a rough year next year. I mean, we know that's not the case. Guys are coming back. But if, if those were the two you were building with, that's a really nice foundation to start with. And, and you know, you surround those guys with talented players and you wind up having a great roster. So I, I think that um, that building on those guys as the future of the team and potentially being obviously very important next year is great. Surround them with the other guys coming back and, and, and maybe, you know, Devontae's a bench player next year, but he's got to play and prepare like he's a starter. Andy, what about Freddie? I mean, he's another guy who really came on. The thing with him is a lot of his value was offensive rebounds and getting putbacks. And we know that Dayton is not as committed to the offensive glass as Indiana was. They tend to try and get back more and they're really good in transition D, but I would have to assume a guy like Freddie, if he's on the floor, he's 
probably crashing the offensive glass, I would think. So his value should stay really about where it was, right? Yeah, I think, you know, what sticks out to me about a guy like that uh, was, you know, one of the comments and the values that Miller talked about was, you know, know your role in the team and take great pride in it. And I think that was one of the things that we saw toward the end of the year. I mean, McSwain was one of few guys who really had a clearly defined role or at least came out and provided the same things, you know, game in and game out. He really was a, you know, high energy guy, um, you know, offensively, you know, skill wise limited, but a guy who was really aggressive on the boards uh, and, and really, you know, created possessions for IU in that regard. So, you know, strikes me as a guy who, if you start, you know, carving out roles on this team, and that's really something that we want to do, uh, then I think, um, you know, he's a guy who could, again, kind of flourish with that. Your job is to go and do this. Uh, and I think that's something he, you know, embraced last year and, and could continue to do as his skills uh, develop a little bit in year two. But, uh, you know, I think there's certainly a role for him to have on the team. And, you know, Zach McRoberts probably the same way. He obviously didn't play as much as Freddie later in the year. But, you know, we saw a couple of good games from Zach where he really made an impact. And he strikes me as a guy who, you know, understand your role, take pride in it. He will certainly do that. You know, and for a defensive-oriented team, an attention-to-detail type team, which is what we think Indiana will be uh, more so under Archie Miller, I think he could, you know, have have a role coming off a bench too, providing uh, some important depth for Indiana. All right, we're going to go – we talked kind of about some offense here in this segment. We want to talk a little bit more about defense because we've talked a lot about you know how Indiana should have more of a defensive identity under Archie Miller, but what exactly does that mean? You've probably heard that Archie Miller likes to play a pack line defense. What exactly is that? One pack that uh, as we go into our last segment here on the Assembly Call. Uh, so stick with us, and we'll talk Archie Miller and his defense at Indiana coming up next. Stay here. You are listening to the Assembly Call, sponsored by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up this latest edition of Assembly Call Radio. You know, as I think back to last year, and obviously Indiana was not a good defensive team at all, and I think one of the things that frustrated certainly me the most, and I think Indiana fans a lot, is you looked out there on the court and you saw guys who were capable individually of playing defense. I mean, you go down the, the list of guys who were expecting to have back next year. Robert Johnson, Devontae Green, Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan, Freddie McSwain, you know, Colin Hartman, on and on. Like, these guys are all, Josh Newkirk, have the ability to be good individual defenders. And yet, because of lack of attention to detail, lack of accountability, lack of a cohesive system, the defense just always seemed subpar and a step slow. And it was so frustrating. And I think that's the thing that has, one of the things that has Indiana fans so excited is we expect to have more of a defensive identity under Archie Miller. And, you know, from everything that we've been told, that is the pack line defense. And we've heard a lot about that. Maybe some of you out there aren't quite as familiar with what the pack line defense is. So let's spend a few minutes here and talk about that because hopefully we're going to become intimately familiar with the pack line and hopefully very appreciative of the pack line defense moving forward as Indiana gets its new identity from it. So Ryan, explain to us what the pack line defense is. All right. So basically it's a man-to-man defense where you sag off of, of the man you're covering And the point is to clog everything inside the three-point line and the lane. So basically, the ball handler has the ball. Instead of being everybody else being up on their man and pressuring their man and denying passes, they back off a little bit. And and the idea is to encourage long jump shots instead of dribble drives. So what you want to do in a pack line is you sag off, and every time somebody will drive – in the pack line, they're driving into another defender, not their defender, but somebody else who is there to help. And so it's really just uh, a a defense that sags off the 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 um, the other defenders, not the ball handler, but the other defenders, in an attempt to clog the lane and stop dribble penetration. And really, it was it was started uh, by Dick Bennett. Uh, he really developed it at Washington State. Uh, a guy whose teams were utterly unwatchable, but at the same time, it was a good concept. Uh, and the point was to have a less athletic team be able to hang with more athletic teams because you clogged the lane and didn't let them have driving lanes. So do you give and up more open threes that way? It's it's possible, 
But if you have longer defenders, if you have taller, longer guys defending and good athletes, then that won't be the case. As you've seen with Virginia, Tony Bennett, uh, Dick Bennett's son, runs the same thing. And last year, he had a very, he, I mean, he's always had good defense defenses, but last year he had a taller, more athletic team than he usually had. And they gave up nothing. And, and, and teams didn't shoot very well against them. So there's the potential for that. But would you rather have a team shooting 23s in a game or driving right by you to the hoop, you obviously take the long jumper. Um, and now the three I think pointers, we saw both you, those things work effectively. We did, actually. Last year, and, so. the driving, and, and look, <laughs> the driving and overhelping leads to open threes. So either way, you're getting beat with it. So yeah. basically the point of the defense is to sag off and, and protect against dribble drives to the hoop and, and people just tearing right through you. Um, and it's very effective when run well, Arizona, uh, Archie's brother, Sean does it at Arizona as well. Um, so I think, you know, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be very different than what we've had for the last couple of years and not a whole lot of teams run it right now. I think that it's starting to become more in vogue because people have seen how Virginia's defense and how Arizona's defense plays. Um, but the whole point is to stop dribble penetration, which is something that has been a huge issue for Indiana over the past nine years. So we'll see how it works. It's definitely going to be a sea change. Do you mean I might be able to retire my tweet if you're just going to let him drive by you, which I say might if, be if, able to I, once every really, game? Because otherwise, otherwise, it's not a good not a good sign. But I think you know two other two other things to kind of tack onto that one. Uh, one would be, you know, we talked, you heard a lot this year about closeouts being really important. So that's where that kind of like, do you give up a bunch of open threes? You know, the closeout really becomes important there, but having guys with, you know, length, as Ryan described, helps to mitigate that a little bit. And the other thing is really trying to on your closeouts. That's also true. Yeah. And and then the other uh, is really trying to take away baseline drives and really force everybody back into the, you know, kind of crowded, uh, crowded middle of the court. And to a certain extent, you're um, just trying to be patient enough that the other team either takes a tough shot, makes a mistake, um, does something else. That's why you kind of see a lot of teams that, play that their defensive possessions end up being a little bit longer because they're trying to, you know, force the other team to take time. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play slow on the offensive end, but it's kind of a patient hope somebody screws up kind of thing or force them into taking a, you know, a longer shot that hopefully you can get out and contest. I always thought pack line teams didn't force a lot of turnovers, but they've actually Dayton's actually been in the top 50 in turnover rate two of the last three years. And defense again, if you have if you have athletic, quick players, you'll get turnovers regardless. I think. Um, plus, you make other teams uncomfortable with the way you play because you're not playing the way everybody else does. Uh, sort of like how Wisconsin's offense makes everybody uncomfortable. Uh, not to mention Wisconsin every time we do one of these, but uh, but, but you I always also, do somehow. I always do. The other thing, the other result of a pack line is you usually are a much better defensive rebounding team because you are closer into the into the mix and there's more of you around the hoop and also you foul less because you're not you're not pressuring the perimeter as hard so um those are two things that indiana i mean this was a great rebounding team this year the one it was maybe the one good thing you could say about this team consistently is that they rebounded but also fewer fouls because you're not up pressuring the ball as hard uh well you'll pressure the ball but you're not pressuring the guys off you're not bumping cutters as much and you're not you know really all over defenders all over the floor so real quick i mean this is obviously a system that's going to require some getting used to it's new you know these guys showed last year you know they don't they at least didn't show great defensive instincts last year so how long will it take for this team to adapt to this style and and to really be effective at running it well i i I think it'll be they'll be fine with it quickly because the concept is really simple. Um, obviously, naturally, they'll want to jump out on their guy and be and be tight. But I think that, you know, it'll take a while for them to sort of, you know, get into the I don't know if it'll be a, a season. It might be, you know, a month or so of, of games uh, before they're playing it, you know, as second nature. But I guarantee you starting to, you know, a week ago. Archie was preaching this and making them, you know, giving them film to watch and and all that stuff. Uh, so they're gonna they're gonna be well schooled in it by the time the season starts. Obviously, it may not be natural for a while, but uh, it certainly is different and, and it's certainly an adjustment. But at the same time, it's gonna help uh, a lot for these guys to uh, from the problems they had last year. 
it's it this this defense is aimed exactly at the problems they had last year. I mean, Andy, we got about a minute left. Will Indiana fans know what to do with themselves if their team suddenly starts playing consistent, accountable defense? Uh, no. Uh, how quick was that? No, I think. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the things that that you can get excited about is that there's a defined uh, defensive system that that the coach has had a proven track record of success with. So, um, you know, I, I think you can easily look at it and say, hey, the Virginia teams do this. And, um, you know, they, they sometimes the knock on them was they can be boring to watch. But I would rather watch something that defensively might not be super flashy, but is effective in a way that we simply haven't seen uh, very much lately. And so um, I'm I'm willing to embrace anything that leads to winning, quite frankly. Yeah, as long yeah, as you no win, kidding. I don't well, care how hopefully, you play. Hopefully the defense will. Uh, hopefully the defense will. Real quick, Ryan, in our last uh, 30 seconds, do you have anything else that you'd like to say about Dick Bennett? Uh, no, no, I'll pass. Good, he muted all... himself. That's exactly what you should do whenever Dick Bennett is the topic. Uh, Andy, any final thoughts here in our final 15 seconds? No, you know, looking forward to the staff getting uh, assembled, and maybe that'll be something we can talk, touch on next week. I think now that the Dayton job has been filled, uh, some dominoes might start to fall from that perspective. Absolutely. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com. Uh, most days now because we're putting out content pretty much every day. So check us out at assemblycall.com. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com. Use the promo code assemblydeal for 20% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week on Assembly Call Radio. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help. From donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway but using our special affiliate links which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the Assembly Call alive and growing. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com support. Thank you, and as always, Go Hoosiers! Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Offer terms and details, equal housing lender, license 50 states, NLS number 33, verified approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions.